Well, it's good to see everybody. It's interesting, isn't it interesting how when you walk in and there's half of our people gone, does it feel different? So there's something different about the culture and, and just who we are. And this morning I want to talk a little bit, little bit about culture of the church. We're going through a, a short series on being God's church and how do we act like God's church? What does God's church look like? And, and part of that is, okay, what kind of culture do we have? And that's reflected in our core values and the things that are important to us. And we've identified our core, core values as outreach and community and spiritual growth and, and ministry. And so those should be part of our DNA, part of our culture. How many of you, when you think of your work, so switch gears from church now for a moment to your work, does your work have a definite culture? A lot of nods, yes. I asked some of the elders this morning and they're like, oh yeah. Um, what, what are some of the cultures of your work? Without complaining, doing all things without grumbling and disputing. Um, what are some of the cultures that stand out to you about your work? Feel. Okay. Each class has its own feel. That's interesting. What other cultures do you notice at work? Joe. Okay, so customer service. So is that by accident? No. Very intentional probably, okay. Anyone else? Teams, okay. <laughs> and, and there can be some challenging cultures at work, right? And, and I, I know I said don't complain, and, but th- there can be some challenging just with how, how long it takes to get things done or, or maybe different aspects of that. But what makes a culture in an organization? That's why I asked you the question I asked you. What defines our culture? Leadership. Leadership, Okay. Leadership, okay, so leadership sort of sets the vision and the goal. What happens when you walk into Starbucks? What happens or what should happen? What should happen? You worked there, that's right. What should happen when you walk into Starbucks? You, you smell coffee, but you're greeted, right? Welcome to Starbucks. Any other organizations like that? Chick-fil-A, okay, one of the elders mentioned that this morning. Chick-fil-A, what happens when you walk in Chick-fil-A? Another welcome, okay? That's part of the culture, the atmosphere that they are trying to create. Sometimes successfully, sometimes not. What about at Disneyland? Anyone ever walk around wearing a happy birthday button? What happens when you're wearing a happy birthday button? Every cast member stops and says happy birthday. After a couple hours, you sort of take it off. And and I, no, it's, or, or you enjoy it. It's part of the culture that they're trying to create. And, and I would argue that every organization has a culture, sometimes intentional, sometimes by accident, because if we don't intentionally define our culture and say this is what we are about, we will still have a culture, won't we? It just will be about whatever and, and whatever sort of the moment is and whatever happens. And so sometimes that's how cultures get really negative and a very critical culture and a, a culture where people are always fighting and there's, there's all the, the, this arguing and tension. That can be a culture as well, usually if we don't define what our culture is. At, at Village, we've defined those four core values as part of the, the mission of the church and how we exercise the mission of the church. And for us, it's not just saying these are our values, but looking at Scripture and saying this is what Scripture says a church should be about. So we didn't just make up these four things. 
Scripture teaches these four things, as well as a whole lot of commands, but we've tried to summarize them into these four areas of what the church should be. So just by way of of review, two weeks ago we looked at the church's mission and what Christ wanted for the church. Why did He even create the church? And we said it was to continue Christ's work by making disciples for Him through sharing the Gospel and training others to follow Christ to His glory. And then we do this with the four core values. And last week we started talking about outreach. And really outreach, we have two different categories. We have evangelism, which we talked about last week, and just some of the barriers to evangelism. What keeps us from sharing the incredible news of the Gospel? And then we also have missions as the other part of outreach. And this is going beyond ourselves. So evangelism is our local circles, sharing the Gospel in our local circles. Missions is going beyond our local circles to the ends of the earth and sharing the good news of Christ's salvation. So today I'd like to continue with outreach and add in missions that we didn't talk about last week, but we're, we're still going to talk a little bit about evangelism because the question I'd like to answer today is how do we create a culture of outreach at Village? How do we be intentional to say this is what we're about? And as we think about that, I'd like to think in terms of how does evangelism, how does missions look different in a body, in a group of believers, versus how I could do it by myself. Can I evangelize by myself? Absolutely. I can go to my neighbor and I could witness and share the Gospel, and I should. But in the context of the church body, are there some benefits to being a church family to my personal evangelism? Is there something about a culture here that can boost that and aid that? And I would argue, yes, there is. And and last week we talked about that one of our barriers was sometimes we think because the church is doing evangelism, I don't have to. And I just want to, at the start today, clarify and, and make sure we understand, no, we have a personal responsibility to do evangelism. But that doesn't mean the body can't help. That doesn't mean being here with other believers can't assist in that process. And so we want to to look at that this morning, Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him a threefold cold a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And whereas that's not talking specifically about evangelism, it's giving a general principle for, for working together and how we approach the tasks that we have. And Solomon says two are better than one. They have a good reward for their toil. They, they produce more in their labor is the idea. Same is true in the church. When we think evangelism... We often can think individual, but there's benefits to creating a culture of evangelism here at Village. So we're going to look at both of these. How do we create a culture of evangelism? How do we create a culture of missions? And we'll just hit some ideas pretty quickly here this morning. So in your notes, I think I list five on the one side for evangelism and four on the side for missions. We'll move through these pretty quickly. Again, there's more verses in your notes than we can cover this morning. And so I encourage you to use that as an opportunity for some study during the week. 
How does a church develop a culture of evangelism? First point, a church with a culture of evangelism loves one another. Might not be where you thought we'd start. A church with a culture of evangelism loves one another. How we treat each other is a powerful testimony. Or it can be a detriment to our sharing the Gospel. Turn with me to John 13. Let's start with the words of Christ. John 13, 34, and 35. As Jesus is talking to His disciples, and He's talking about this command He's given and why He's given this command. And in John 13, 34, and 35, we read, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. We've all heard that, right? We should love one another. And we talk about that in church a lot because, quite frankly, it's all throughout the New Testament, this command to love one another over and over and over again. But he goes on, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. How did Jesus love us? He died on the cross. He gave His life for our salvation. He pursued us while we were still sinners. He gave His blood for our forgiveness and salvation. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And then in verse 35, he goes on to give a reason for loving one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. By this, everyone in the church will know that you are my disciples. Is that what it says? It says all people. He very intentionally expands the the audience here of who is watching this love to the world. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so if we're to talk about how do we create a culture of evangelism here at Village that, that reaching people with the Gospel is a priority, it's important to us, one of the ways we do that according to Jesus is we show love to one another. If we aren't in community, if we aren't here, it's very hard to show that we love one another. So we've got to be together and we've got to be caring about each other. Because we want to show Christ to a lost world. In 1 John 4, 7 and 8, um, same author, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And he's tying love for one another with whether or not we've experienced God's love. But then down in verse 11, he goes on, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then he throws in this weird statement there, which I think ties back to the John passage. No one has ever seen God. Now, I know we were just talking about love. Why, why are we changing the subject? No one has ever seen God, but then he comes back to that. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected or made complete or made visible in us. And he's saying the same thing that Jesus said in John. He's saying no one's seen God, but by our ability to love each other, by the care we show for one another, we are showing His love to a lost world. I think this is exciting. Because, again, when I think of evangelism, I I personally, like I shared last week, go to some of the barriers in my mind. But I'm thinking, I, I can love the body. I can love people. Now, that's not evangelism in its entirety. It's, it's creating a culture of evangelism. How do we love each other? How do we really care? And that may be all the way from Sunday morning, noticing who's around, noticing who's 
um, just in need of an encouraging word, noticing who's in need of prayer. But it comes to some tangible ways. Think of loving your family. It's not just, oh, I, I see you once a week and say hi. It, when you love your family, you're caring about their needs and you're meeting those needs. You know, one of the things that, that I've seen God use at Village is the meals that we give for those that are, have been in the hospital or, or for those incapacitated in some way. And I've heard that, that some of the people that have gotten meals have told some of their neighbors or coworkers about it. And the coworkers have said, wow, that's really different that, that a church would do that, that people would do that for you. They must really care about you. And it's opened doors to being able to talk about the gospel and talk about the love of Jesus Christ. I know um, one, one of you that goes to one of our community groups was talking about walking up to community group one night and passing some neighbors. And two neighbors were talking and one's like, hey, what's going on over at so-and-so's house? You know how neighbors are, always looking out the, the blinds and spying on the neighborhood. What's going on over there? And the other neighbor who isn't a believer said, oh, they have a Bible study every week. Think about that. Think about what just getting together and caring for one another means. People notice. People that visit here that may, that may need Jesus Christ will notice how we treat each other. So we need to pay attention to that. It matters. The attitude I come on Sunday morning with matters. It matters not only to, to the, our community here, but it matters to sharing the Gospel with others. So we love one another and we show Christ's love that way because people will know we are His disciples. Second thing that a church with a culture of evangelism does is it encourages and supports each other in our mission to make disciples. Encourages and supports each other in our mission to make disciples. I think of the Ecclesiastes passage that I read earlier that two are better than one. Because there's just something about doing, doing a task together, right? I, I can send one of my kids out or my wife will send them out to weed a flower bed and if they're by themselves, that task feels like it takes forever, doesn't it? I, it, can, it, can, it can be four hours and they think they're 10 or, or 20 after that because it's taken so long. But if we send two out and get them to focus on the task... <laughs> It's so different. It's a lot more fun. And they get it done quicker. And there's this sense that when we're doing something with someone else that is so encouraging. In Ephesians 4.16, the Apostle Paul, as he writes to the church of Ephesus, and he's talking about how the church is to work together and function together. In verse 16, he writes, "...from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped..." When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And he's making a picture here. He's painting a picture of a body where everyone's doing their part, but everyone's working together for a common goal. And the church grows and it builds itself up. And so a church that has a culture of evangelism encourages and supports each other in our mission to make disciples. How do we do that? How do we encourage people? Some ideas. Just We're a smaller group today. You can talk. How do we encourage each other in the, in the act of, of evangelism? How would you be encouraged? For someone else to share their efforts, right? 
It doesn't even have to result in someone coming to Christ, but when someone says, hey, I, I, I talked to so-and-so about the Gospel, and, and even if they say, will you pray for them, and, and they tell the story, it makes me want to go and do the same thing. It's, it's great. And so by sharing and talking about evangelism and, and what we're trying to do, it, it can be huge. Absolutely. Um, being mentored or, or, or being taken along to see how it's done. Again, doing it together like that. Someone else? Absolutely. We praise what's important to us, right? And so by praising them, we're showing this is important. This is the culture that we want to create here. Absolutely. Interacting with those that others are evangelizing to. That, that, that is huge. And that's part of how we help each other evangelize. And we'll, we'll expand on that in a moment. But that is a, a huge encouragement. See, as we encourage one another, it has this snowball effect. As, as we share our stories, it encourages others to share. And then they share their stories because we get excited about it. There, it builds some momentum. And that's what we want to have for a culture of evangelism. I, I love seeing on Facebook one of our members this week posted, hey, I, I shared the gospel with so-and-so. They didn't respond, but will you pray? And I'm like, yes! Oh, absolutely I'll pray. This is exciting. It made me think of who can I be sharing the gospel with. We need to celebrate those efforts to share the gospel. See, if we're encouraging and supporting one another... We have to love Jesus, we have to love the Gospel, and we have to be burdened for the people that need Christ. And then we'll share together and encourage one another in that way. Encouraging one another also means holding each other accountable. Sometimes you might go to someone and say, hey, I'd like to share with so-and-so at work. I don't know if I can come up with the words. I, I, don't, I don't know how I can you know, transition to the blue pen like we talked about last week. And, and, and just do it. Just, just talk about the Gospel. And... You can be praying for them. And when we are in community, we encourage each other by bringing that up. Hey, how did it go? Were you able to share the Gospel? Iron sharpens iron. God used my kids to do that for, for me on vacation. And we were, we were, I told some of you this story, but um, we're camping up in the Sierras, and um, camping to me with my family is the time to get away, right? And nobody better talk to me except my family. They're good. Nobody else. And so we're camping, and right next to us is this spot with this family that has three kids. Mark's age, Jeffrey's age, Elisa's age. Two boys and a girl. What a coincidence. And it was like, it was like magnetic attraction. They were whew, in, our, in our sight the whole time in our sight, and they wouldn't stop talking. Right? <laughs> and I'm getting frustrated. I'm on vacation. And, and the, the next day, we're, I, I'm in the trailer trying to get the heater working so we can survive another night. And, and um, we're listening outside to the kids playing, and one of, the, one of our kids says, Hey, do you know God? And Susie and I stop, and we're like, Hmm? Oh, yeah, we know God. Oh, do you go to church? And they had this whole spiritual discussion. And the Holy Spirit stomped on my heart and said, you weren't even looking for this. 
And He used my kids to encourage me to, to think in terms of evangelism. We were talking to our kids that night. We're like, wow, the, how, how did you do that? <laughs> and, and one of my kids said, Dad, you know, the first day when we met them, that might have been a little awkward, but we've known them a whole day now. <laughs> and if you can't talk about God after a day, there's a problem. And I've got to say, they didn't get that from me because I, I, I have some barriers there. But God used my kids to encourage me and challenge me. We had a great discussion with the family and the parents the next day about church and God. And, and it wouldn't have happened without my kids. Same is true in the church body. We do that for each other. By, by sharing our stories, we encourage each other to, to break through those barriers, to get out of our shells and to share the good news of the Gospel with others. church with a culture of evangelism encourages and supports each other in our mission. Third thing that, that a church with a culture, this culture does is praise for each other to share the Gospel and for those they shared with. Praise for each other to share the Gospel and for those they shared with. I want to turn to a passage we looked at last week. We'll look at again Ephesians 6, verse 18. Ephesians 6, verses 18-20. through 20. And this is the Apostle Paul as he writes to a church that's very dear to him, the church at Philippi. And he's just talked about the armor of God and being strong for God. And I think of Paul as this incredibly bold man that preaches the Gospel throughout the known world. And he did. And this is what he asked them in Ephesians 6.18, like we talked about last week. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So he gives a general principle of prayer. And then in verse 19, and also for me. He says, pray for me too. That words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the Gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul is saying, pray for me. Give, that God will give me words that I'll be bold, that I'll step out of my comfort zone. And I, I would encourage us to ask each other for that same prayer. Because that's part of how we create a culture of evangelism. Is we say, okay, so-and-so is going to be sharing the Gospel. Their heart is, is for their neighbor. I am going to start praying for them every day that they will have an opportunity to share with their neighbor. At the heart of this is the question that we've asked before. Do we believe that prayer actually works? Or is it just an afterthought to the process? Oh, Pastor Ron's saying that to make this a little more spiritual. Or does it actually do something? And we know from Scripture it does, and God hears it, and He answers. And so if we're to have a culture of evangelism, we should be praying for each other to evangelize. And praying specifically. That might mean we have to let someone know the names of someone we're trying to reach out to. I encourage you husbands, pray with your wives, pray with your families for your neighbors, for some of the people on your, your list. And then watch God work. A church with this culture prays for each other to share the Gospel. Fourth thing there is finds ways to help each other evangelize. If we're to have a culture of evangelism, we're going to find ways to do it together. Like Jim and Debbie were saying, it can be this process of, 
of meeting someone that someone else is trying to evangelize and, and share the good news of the Gospel with and being friendly with them and, and engaging them. That's happened at some of our Super Bowl parties where some of you have invited people from church and then a couple of other people. Just a wonderful time of engaging each other. We, we, we are helping each other evangelize. Flip just back, uh, uh, I'm sorry, to the right in Philippians, to Philippians 1.27. Sorry, the last one was in Ephesians to Ephesus. This is Philippians. That 127, Paul writes, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. And then catch this next phrase. It's a very important picture here. With one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. With one mind striving side by side, and he uses an athletic metaphor here of a team and team sports where the team is, is executing the sport together. And he says, we're on the same team and it should be about teamwork, not the individual. Imagine baseball with one guy on the team. Unless you're Clayton Kershaw, you're probably going to lose. Those of you baseball fans, you know I'm right. <laughs> It's a team effort, and that's the metaphor he's using here, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And a lot of discussion of what that means for the faith of the gospel. But he goes on to talk about being frightened by opponents. And, and the context here that, that most commentators think is that this is about advancing the gospel, about sharing the gospel. And Paul is saying advance together. It's so much better if we do this together. Pull together as one. We see that come up a little later in Philippians 4.3 when two women aren't and they're disagreeing. And he says, we're to be side by side in our efforts. And so we think about this. We, we, we think evangelism is so individual, but it's about coming together to help each other do this. Some of you at work have, have guys or girls you work with that don't know Christ and you're trying to reach them with the Gospel. That's something that, you know, how can we do that together? That's where the prayer comes in that we talked about. We can be praying for you. We can be encouraging you. When, when two or three come together and talk about that and pray about it, you can share ideas. Well, this is how this could work. This is where events can come in, like, like we um, talked about with the barbecue at Memorial Day and with the Super Bowl party. When we have events uh, that we're inviting people into our homes, invite a couple people that you want to share Christ with along with believers. And, and let's work together to make those relationships. It's also how we show our care for each other. And one of the ways we work together as well is to, to have introduction events at church, things that you can invite people to. The Christmas luncheon is a great thing to invite people to. The kids program at Christmas time. Everyone loves to come see kids do a play. I would already be thinking three months from now, who am I going to invite? Who can I bring to that? And that's the way we work together because our goal is to reach people with the Gospel of Christ. A church with a culture of evangelism finds ways to help each other evangelize. Don't just go it alone. Let's find ways to work together. Imagine what happens if a group of guys go over and, and someone in a neighborhood, they, they help them out with a, a project on their house. 
Maybe, a, maybe you, maybe a neighbor. And they just come together and, and do this task, show Christ's love and leave. It's a way we work together to open doors for the Gospel. Finally, number five, a church with a culture of evangelism welcomes non-Christians searching for Christ. Welcomes non-Christians searching for Christ. And this is, this is one that I, that I think the pendulum can go too far. We have to be careful because as I've said, the church is for believers. The church is where we will train and worship together and we will study God's Word together so we won't water that down. But the church also is a place where non-believers may be invited. They may come. And so it's not that we change the message, but what kind of people are we when they come? One author said, wouldn't it be great if, if you could bring someone to church and say, this is Bob. He's checking out Christianity. I don't know if we have any Bobs here this morning. Um, this is Bob. He's checking out Christianity. And then people respond like, oh, that's great. Do you have any questions? Hey, let, let, let me know if you have any questions. Love, love for you to worship with us and, and just find out a little bit more about God. That's a culture of evangelism where we begin to support each other's efforts. We're willing to show hospitality, engage in questions. Not just be friendly, but be friends for the purpose of sharing the Gospel. In our community groups, there's an open chair at community groups, and that's an open chair for anyone in the church to come, but it's also a great opportunity for if someone wants to bring a neighbor and let them experience what Christian community looks like, what truly studying God's Word looks like. You never know what can happen. Last week I asked how many of you accepted Christ in different ways. One of the ways that I didn't mention, but I know we have several here, is just by coming to church and hearing God's Word and watching God's people worship. We've had a, a number of people here accept Christ that way. You never know what happens if we have this culture where we are looking to share Christ with them. It's a culture of evangelism. We switch gears for, for the next 10 minutes to what about a missions culture? And it's still, how do we reach people with the Gospel? How do we reach people with Christ? But I just want to add on to what we've talked about. How do we do this in the context of the world? And turn back to Acts 13. Acts 13. And we see a, a, an example of an early church sending out some of its first missionaries. Acts 13, verses 2 and 3, and the church is about to send out Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. Let me just read those verses 2 and 3. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. It's a short little passage. But man, it's powerful because it talks about the church going beyond themselves. I'd like to use that as a jumping off point for four ways we develop a culture of missions. The first is a church with the culture of missions fosters worship of God's greatness and His magnificent glory and praises Him for the Gospel. We foster worship of God. That's where it has to start because then our focus is on who Christ is, who God is, His greatness. Did you notice at the beginning of the Acts 13.2 passage, what, what were they doing when God called out missionaries? They were worshiping. They were worshiping. Because when, when our hearts are about worship, then our hearts are about the glory of God. 
and praising Him. And, and once our hearts are, are aligned with God and who He is and what His desires are, we realize His desire is for people to worship Him from all corners of the world, from all nations and tribes and peoples. And if there are still people that aren't worshiping God, our desire will be for them to worship. One author wrote, missions exist because worship doesn't. And I love that phrase. Missions exist because worship doesn't. And as long as there's people on the face of this planet that don't worship our Lord and Savior, we're going to care about missions. That's what we're going to be about. And that's where it started for them. They were worshiping the Lord. They were fasting. And then God directed them to missions. Just a couple of other verses. Psalm 96, 3 and 4. And and we can see this throughout Scripture, but 3 and 4 says, "...declare His glory among the nations." His marvelous works among all peoples. And we see God's heart is for all people to see His glory. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. John 1.14, talking about the incarnation. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And God was revealing His glory to the world through His plan of salvation. I encourage you this week in, in community groups to, to come to community groups this week because we're going to be tracing God's glory throughout Scripture. Sort of the story of His glory. And seeing how His desire is for His glory to spread throughout the earth. When we catch that, we can't help but care about missions. So again, this may not seem like it's about missions, but if we're a worshiping church, we're a church that will care about the lost. It's that important. A church with a culture of missions, secondly, works together to send missionaries well. And we've talked about this at our missions conferences from year to year, and it's good to keep talking about it and good to keep reminding ourselves. In, in this case, in Acts 13, we see, they, we see that they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. They were to be sent out as missionaries. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And we see a church that through prayer and through, through laying their hands on them, of, of identifying with them, sent them on their mission. And if we're to be a church that has a culture of missions, we, we should love sending. We should love supporting our missionaries. We should see this as having high value. So many times we can celebrate, and rightfully so, celebrate those that go. But as a church, we need to celebrate those that send as well. Because those that choose to work and, and stay here and provide for those missionaries going, you are just as much a part of sharing the Gospel to the ends of the earth as that person that goes. And I thank you for that. Because this church is faithful to send missionaries. And to support missionaries. And that's part of God's heart for missions here. That's part of our culture of missions here. We should send well. Again, when I think of, okay, could I send a missionary by myself? That's a lot harder to do. I probably don't make enough to send a whole missionary to, to the field, right? Probably no one here does. 
Otherwise, I would have nothing and they would have it. So we pool our resources. This is one of those things we can do together better than we can individually. And churches pool their resources. And so we just sent Matt out and he has, has support from a variety of different sources. We sent Joelle out and she has support from various churches, various individuals, but our church as well, a chunk of her support. Fred and Cinda we've sent out. And those are examples of this church sending well. And I put in your notes three, three words to remember when sending. Prayer, support, and encouragement. To send well is to pray for them, to support them, to encourage them. Prayer being more than just, oh, I pray for so-and-so. I pray for Mario and Lancy. God help them have a good day. No, prayer meaning we regularly remember our missionaries. We pray for boldness for them as Paul requested we looked at. We pray for opportunities for the Gospel. I challenge you to be serious about praying for our missionaries. Maybe a real practical way of this, maybe choose one missionary a day. One missionary a day. Pray for them for three to five minutes that morning. Maybe it's Joel one day. Maybe it's the, the Pinas one day. Um, maybe it's the Napolis one day. Maybe it's Rancho Santa Marta one day. But just take three to five minutes every morning and pray for a different one. And see, see what happens to our heart for missions. One of the things as I meet with missionaries that come, one of the things that I have heard many, many times, far more times for it to be a coincidence, they said, don't underestimate the power of prayer. Pray for us. It's a spiritual battle out there. We need you on your knees for us. Let's pray for our missionaries. Second part is prayer support. And we saw this as they sent them off. When you sent someone off in this culture, you sent them with enough supplies to get to their next destination. They, they didn't have targets on every corner. And so the, the church and the people you stayed with were part of giving you your supplies. We see that in, in 3 John, which we don't have time to look at this morning, but we see John instructing the church to send them in a manner worthy of God, which meant to provide them the support they need. At Village, we do that through our Faith Promise program. Uh, a way of giving to missions above and beyond our normal tithe. One, a way that takes faith, that takes a, some intentionality. And that intentionality is good. We need to be supporting our missionaries. Third word there is encourage. Encourage. And in Acts 13.3, we saw them placing hands on them to send them out. And that was a way of identifying with them, of saying we, we send you with our authority, with our love, with our care. In Philippians 1, 3-7, Paul writes um, to the church at Philippi be, uh, that he has great joy because of their partnership in the Gospel from the first day until now. Because they were one with him. Because they were, they were part of what he was doing. He goes on to say, I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in defense and the confirmation of the Gospel. I would love for our missionaries to hold us in their heart. To think of village and to just smile and say, I love those people. How does that happen? That doesn't happen by accident. 
That happens as we pursue relationship, as we make sure that they don't forget us and we don't forget them. With conversations, with notes. This Christmas, I think the missions ministry team planning to do Christmas cards, right? Um, I pray that our missionaries get flooded with Christmas cards from this church. And, and that we can write some notes and say, hey, I'm praying for you. Lori and Selvin, hey, we're praying for you and your kids and in Guatemala and your ministry there. It means we care. Send emails. Almost all of our missionaries have emails. I, I remember before email and you'd send a letter and maybe it would take a couple weeks to get there and, and um, smoke signals or whatever. But now we just send an email and it's there and we can be in contact. Earlier this week, I, I had some time, a great time just talking with Joel and we Skyped and we were able to see each other and talk and, and pray. Those are the kinds of things we as a body should be doing. Encourage our missionaries. Way to think about that is make them part of your family. How will you make them part of your family? Send them pictures. Pictures of your kids. Make them part of the life of your family. Number three, a church with a culture of missions will encourage people to consider going and will celebrate losing members to ministry. That's a hard one. We'll celebrate losing members to ministry because we've lost so many members to ministry. And I hate to see them go and I love to see them go. That makes sense? Because they're family. And, and, and I, I know that they could be in ministry here, but if God has called them to minister to a lost and dying world, go. Go with our blessing. We celebrate you. We encourage people going and celebrate. Losing members to ministry. Paul and Barnabas went. The church was willing to send, but Paul and Barnabas had to say yes. I imagine the church prays for them, lays hands on them. They go out and say, actually, we're not going. No, no, they were willing to go. And so part of being a, a church with a missions mindset is, do we have people willing to go? And, and maybe it starts with some short-term trips. Maybe it starts with something like, going down for the weekend to Rancho Santa Marta on a work trip, which just happens to be happening in three weeks, four weeks. See Cookie if you're interested. <laughs> um, maybe it means going on a Yugo trip, which some of our youth have gone, where you're putting on vacation Bible school and, and doing messages. Um, some of you went to Uganda this summer, and, and some of you went to Indicott this summer. Just so many different options. I, I think ha- figuring out if God is calling me to go means starting with small things like that. And seeing, maybe God wants me to go. You never know. You might be the next missionary we send. As a church, we want to encourage people to consider going. And finally, number four, if we're to have a culture of missions, we need to be a church that rejoices when people come to Christ. Throws a party when people comes to Christ. Gets excited about it and long for the rest of the world to hear. It's interesting because in, in the Acts 13 passage, they send them off and the very next thing is where they went and they got to proclaim the Word of God. They, they fulfilled the purpose. In Luke 15.10, and, and Jesus is telling the parable of the lost coin and 
the woman who has, has nine coins but loses one and she looks everywhere for it and finally founds it. And he's talking about just the passion for the lost and the quest for the lost. And he says, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That's his conclusion. If even one sinner repents, the angels are just throwing a party. And I pray we do too. It's why I love baptisms and hearing people's testimonies. We can celebrate that people have come into the kingdom of God. With missions, we do that by reading the missions reports, by listening to the missions connections that the, that the team gives from time to time. And, and when, when one of our missionaries says, so-and-so accepted Christ, oh man, there should be joy. Because that means another person in the kingdom of God. There's news every month from our missionaries of people hearing the gospel and people responding to the gospel. God's word is not dead. It is alive and people are responding to it. And we as a church want to be passionate about that. Passionate about taking Christ to a lost world. Culture. What kind of culture are we going to have? Part of who we are needs to be a culture of evangelism that we care about the lost around us and a culture of missions where we care about the lost in the world and that we're willing to do something about it together. Let's pray. Lord God, our Father, I thank you for your word, for the challenges of your word. I pray that we would be a culture that is excited about people coming to you, that is diligent about finding ways to bring people to you and to helping each other do that. Lord, help this to be something we talk about that we get excited about, that means something to us. Lord, because it's your heart. Lord, I pray that this year we would have opportunities to share the gospel. That this week, people in this room would have opportunities to share the love of Christ with someone. Lord, I pray that in the next week we hear stories of people and who they're trying to share the gospel with. Lord, that we would care so deeply about people to come to you and to see your glory that it moves us to action. Lord God, make this be part of what our church is about. In Jesus' name, amen.